I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm the Denim Dragon. <laughs> and this is still his Creed Kingdom Keeps, a creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I watch every single episode of the TV show Merlin. And we're here with a with kind of a bummer of an episode, to be honest with you, Chris. Uh, this is the the second part. It's, it's a tough one all around of the season four finale, the darkest hour. Uh, this is like like I mentioned, just kind of a bummer. How are you today, Chris? The denim dragon. Should I refer to you I'm doing as better as, than as, these chaps as Mr. Dragon from now on? Is that uh, you can call me you can call me DD if you want. Mr. Okay. Dragon's cool. DD's cool. DD's um, cool. All right. Anything mm-hmm. really? I'll respond to anything. Okay. Excellent. Uh, doing good, but um, everything great. But I'm doing much better than than the fellows in in this episode for sure. For sure. How are you? Great. Uh, I'm also good. Oh, because... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like sick anymore. So that's that's the thing. Yeah, you seem you seem way better than the last few episodes of this podcast. Yeah, I can't believe um people listen to that. What were you thinking, people? I'm also good because uh, our Patreon over patreon.com slash week is still getting support. Uh, we have still have new people coming in there and checking us out, and we very much appreciate it. Come hang out in the Discord server with us. Get episodes of this podcast early, which is always very cool. And uh, also, there's a bunch of bonus content available on the Patreon. So please, please go check that out. Meanwhile, Chris, can you explain what's been happening in Merlin for the rest of us? I can. Let's see. Okay. Um, Denim Dragon, by the way. Last time on Merlin, after sacrificing more ghosts, Morgana has torn open a rift in the very soft fabric that separates the realms of the living and the dead, with endless, unbeatable, and evil spirits pouring out and laying waste to Camelot. It's up to Merlin, Arthur, and the Knights of the Roundtable to make it right. There you go. Uh, we're dealing with. I have a problem here, and that some of the internet thinks that this is all one episode. Uh, so I I just have the same episode description, which is Merlin faces his toughest challenge yet when Morgana's blinkered determination threatens oh, yeah. not only Arthur's future but the balance of the world. Uh, and it also shows the same air date and writer and director. So sorry about that. This also played havoc with uh, some of my ability to watch this episode today. I had to resort to Prime. Uh, I guess thank you, Amazon, for for saving Merlin for us. Oh, yeah, um, thanks for nothing. More like it. We're going to start out, uh, we ended the episode uh, previous to this with Merlin looking very almost dead. Oh yeah, Merlin croaked. I should have, I should have mentioned that. Last time on Merlin, he died. <laughs> he died. Uh, but he didn't really, because the, the knights have uh, managed to uh, perk him back up a little bit. Uh, Arthur is like, we need to get this dude back to Gaius immediately. Leon is like, I mean... Really, Gaius doesn't seem like that great of a doctor yeah, to me. Yeah, Leon is the one dude who doesn't really have like a connection to Merlin in any way. So he's like, I mean, he's just a servant. He's just he? a he's just a servant, right? Like he's been hanging out with Uther for like twenty minutes too long. He's like, yeah. he's just a like. I mean, we could just kill him and get another one. Like it's what we did with Gwen's dad. Like it's no big deal. <laughs> Who cares? He might be the only knight that is actually of like noble birth or whatever. Exactly. Right? Yeah, he's the only like everybody OG. Else is just like is there on merit alone. <laughs> Leon, he was an official like real deal. Knight night of camelot <laughs> yeah he's been doing like duties and stuff he didn't just show yeah. up to rescue somebody to, and get awarded a cloak um yeah yeah but uh arthur's like no no we're gonna do this and lancelot is like no you have to continue your quest i will take merlin uh back with me so they they slap sick ass uh merlin on the back of a horse this reminded me of you getting on the podcast horse last week of just <laughs> leaning over the front of the mic coughing constantly trying to make it through without hurting yourself i saw that i saw, I saw a lot of the denim dragon in merlin today yeah we did really we, we mapped well to merlin and lancelot in our last few episodes yeah. you're just dragging me along I'm just, and i'm like no it's fine no 
oh, it's fine. We'll just keep going. You're like, I don't know if we should. I don't know if we should. Maybe we should stop in the middle and continue it later. Um, they they throw him on the back of the horse. Arthur apologizes. He says, this is my fault and I'm sorry. Uh, Merlin, of course, in his um, haze, is just begs to be taken with him. Of course, that's not happening. Uh, so they leave. Uh, we get a daytime external shot of this castle that they were staying in, which I, I commented how cool it looked in the night. Boy, in the day, it looks really cool. Like you could definitely pretty cool. definitely uh, tell where the budget's that going. Last, that last scene between Arthur and Merlin—that's like we haven't seen Arthur look this way towards Merlin in a while. You could tell he, he genuinely like really feels bad about what's happening, which I think is just going to strengthen Arthur's resolve about sacrificing himself. Um, but yeah, then we get some dope outside shots. Um, we also get some external shots of Merlin and Lancelot riding through the forest, and Merlin just looks just like absolutely the worst. <laughs> like he can barely hang on to this horse. Uh, meanwhile, Arthur is leading his his knights uh, through a little ravine to try to get to the Isle of the Blessed. Uh, Gwen is trying to steal honey from bees, and that ends about as well as you might expect. Yeah. Um, and Leon is encouraging Arthur. He's like, don't worry, Arthur. That was just a servant. Like, he don't need to worry about his life or livelihood. I don't know if you know this, but as a prince, you technically own him. Like, you yeah, you literally so... just own him. Like, it was just, like, he's just basically like a t-shirt for you is what that yeah, guy that's is. That's property, sir. And yeah. Arthur's like, Leon, you're a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I know you're right, but I'm still not okay with it. I'm a little weirded out. I haven't been this weirded out since Lancelot started talking about licking flowers the other day. I didn't understand what he was doing. Doing. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Shut up, Lancelot. <laughs> You're supposed to be saving Merlin right now. Oh, my bad. <laughs> so yeah, Gwade is attacked by bees. Um, oh yeah, back to back to Lancelot and and Merlin. Oh yeah, Leon is just he's trying to get them to press on. He's mm-hmm. like, um, we need to, you know, we we need to keep going. So okay, back over to Lancelot and Merlin. They're going through the Valley of the Kings. Which I know we've been through here before. I just they just name dropped it because it's cool. We got to see some cool statues, um, but we pick up with them as Lancelot has just laid Merlin down by uh, a little river, a little stream, trying to just I don't know take take, take some rest, get him some water, do his thing, and we see Merlin's hand kind of like drapes into the water a little bit, and then it seems to have a reaction to it. There's like a magical light that that surrounds Merlin's hands, and then we hear some voices calling out Lancelot, Lancelot. Um, <laughs> hey yo, I'm talking to you, Lancelot. Um, Lancelot, Lancelot. Hey man, how you doing? You want to buy a hat? You want to buy a hat, Lancelot? Hey Lancelot, I got a bunch of hats over here, man. Do you want like, I would love a hat. Who's speaking? Who's you, speaking? Address. It's, it's a address red. Me as a it, knight. It's a, I would love to buy a hat, Sir um, Lancelot. You'd look great with like a red velvet hat with a feather. Yeah, man. You yeah. think so? That yeah. sounds great. I'd I think love it, to try it, that. it would match the cloak, man. You know what I'm saying? Matches the cloak. Yeah. Matches the whole vibe, Lance. Please show me this hat. Um, <laughs> These are the the Vilia, I believe they're called. These are like spirits of the brooks and streams, mm-hmm. um, and they're calling out to him. They appear and like their faces appear in these little like bubbles of water floating above the the water. There, um, they have been disturbed by the opening of this rift between worlds, uh, and because spirits are just like cool and they just kind of know stuff, even if they're just like little s- spirits of the little t- of your, like your sewage drain, they they know, dude. They just know what's up. Yeah. And this spirit says that Arthur has need of both Lancelot and Merlin. Um, and she's, you know, she starts hyping up 
Merlin. She's like the young warlock. He's stronger than he thinks. He has a future that has yet been uh, foretold. And check out this blue hat. I think he'd look pretty good in this. Whoa, that's a cool hat, says Lancelot. I would like to. I would like us to have matching ha- hats with feathers. Also, Lance- do you know anything about my future? Like you said a lot about that guy's future, but not a lot about me. Like, do yeah, I have a? You're gonna be wearing a cool hat in the future. I'll oh, tell you that much, oh, well, boom, right here. Here you go. I was looking for something more long term, but okay, we can we can start with this cool is a long term hat. hat for you, buddy. Okay. Let's keep it moving. All right, let's keep it moving. I do want to say uh, this this CGI effect of the faces and the drops and the d- d- spirits talking could be a lot worse than it actually is. Like it I could th- be worse. I think they they, they pull this off to an amazing degree, considering that it's a that it's you know a a Photoshop a green screened head and a droplet of water. Like it should be so much worse. Uh, the spirit also says like, hey, don't worry about all of the d- drop a car. Uh, they they. They can't get you here. We're gonna we're gonna put this mad glow over you guys as you put your hats on. So, it's like this would have been great to know on the journey down because we could have just like followed the river. We would have been good. Nobody, you know. Um, but yeah, they're already healing Merlin. Everything is looking up, and then it's a hard cut to the next scene, uh, and we see them like out riding in a field with just this gigantic red giant plumed hat on Merlin. It's, or not, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful hat. I mean, the feather goat is maybe a little too tall, but he's can pull it off. Like if anybody, it's can, like it's easily an ostrich feather. It's yeah. one of the biggest feathers. If anybody can pull off an eighteen inch feather, it's Lancelot. Like I couldn't. Like Jeremy Greer, absolutely I couldn't. I couldn't. not. I couldn't. No, no, no. I don't care what kind of boots I'm wearing. It's not going to go. Uh, meanwhile, Arthur and his knights arrive at a very spooky cave, and they're going to cut through the yeah. mountains. We've seen Merlin this before. And, um, Arthur have been here before, right? Yeah. So this is the same cave that we had to sneak through the last time we went to the Isle of the Blessed. Uh, and now uh, Arthur knows the the secrets, which is to use the um, voiding berries, I think, or something. It yeah. is uh, guide berries. Down the name of the berries. Guide yeah, bears. they covered themselves in the berry goo. Mm-hmm. I love this. It's just such a small little thing. It just shows that he has grown. He, ha- you know, he's been through some stuff. We finally get to put that experience, that actual lived-in experience, to use in an episode. Except this time, he's with just like the rowdiest guys you can imagine. <laughs> just a bunch of frat boys who are just ready yeah. to party. I uh, this this whole section of them going through the cave and. Uh, you know, confronting the Wildren and having, you know, accidentally killing one, having to run away from it. Um, and I know the comparison I'm about to make is is pretty on the nose, but it really reminded me of the most modern version of The Green Knight that just came out a few years ago. Um, did you ever get around to watching that, by the way? Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I really need to. Okay. Uh, you should definitely watch it. Uh, but uh, it's not a spoiler to say that The Green Knight goes on some adventures and has some some weird little side quest along the way. And it, this feels very much like that. Like, I felt like people bounced off of The Green night expecting it to have this overarching like huge plot line mm-hmm. um and it, in reality it's like it was kind of like an episode of merlin where like oh arthur and his knights are on the way to the isle of the blessed but they have to take care of some wildren shenanigans before they can get there like yeah, and the, yeah. the wildrens aren't going to ever show up again it's just like a little side quest along the way that's and just some canterbury tale shit just you know? some canterbury tale shit, shit yeah absolutely um we get this whole sequence where Gwen. um gets uh super sniffed by one of the wildren and he can't control himself he gets so he gets so aggravated that he stabs the the wildren and then looks at the rest of the crew they're really making out going to be like a gesture of the group it's very funny now uh just like because like he's the type of dude i just feel like he he's done well because he's hot you know yeah 
Like people just like like this guy because he's hot. But like put him in like a real situation and he's just a fucking menace. He's just a just an absolute like head empty like complete just on autopilot having a gr- the best time of his life. It's beautiful. Um, he kills this Wildren and of course other Wildren are going to come figure out what to do. Uh, so they have they have to run. Um, meanwhile, we go back to Camelot uh, where I keep calling him Unk, but I think his name is Agravain. Has, yeah, they actually used his name a few times. Thank you. Aggravain <laughs> uh, has ordered the city gates closed. Uh, we see Gwyn watching this uh, from kind of above, from inside the castle. She tells Gaius. Gaius marches into the council and challenges Aggravain and says, hey, mm-hmm. this isn't right. And Aggravain says, we don't have the resources to help everyone. And Gaius says, okay. See you later. That's all I had. Well, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a bone of confrontation in my body. I will talk to you guys uh, later. Any uh, any wizards geez. you want to kill on my way out? I do that. You guys know me. I'm a wizard killer, right? Like he's he is on rare form. Is Gaius? Gaius is a little embarrassed because he sees that Jeffrey of Monmouth was invited to the council. Oh, but, but he wasn't. Gaius. That seems like an oversight. That seems like an aggravating special right yeah. there. Yeah. What's what's aggravating got against Gaius? The fact that he used to be a dark wizard, perhaps. Maybe, um, yeah. He's like, um, Uther may have forgiven you, but I'm a little suspicious of you. <laughs> Uther uh, may have forgiven you, but I have not forgotten. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, but then Gwen is like, would you mind if I uh, spoke to the court? And everybody's just so confused. that Now, people don't hate servants now that Uther's kind of um, not in charge. Suddenly it turns out all that prejudice. Um, no, 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 it was just my boss. It wasn't really me. Okay, sure, guys. Um... No, but she's she says, "Hey, everybody, we we should probably help those people. Arthur would help those people." And um, when Agravain argues that, "Hey, if we if we let more refugees in, we're gonna run out of food faster, and we're gonna be in bigger trouble. So they'll be screwed if they come in. Like we need we need to cut it off somewhere." Um, but Gwen says, "No, you're wrong. Like they're farmers. Those are people who give us food." <laughs> They're 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 gonna bring that food with them. They've already been exchanging food for a place to stay. Like they're bringing in more than they're taking, um, which is you know pretty good. That seems like a pretty good thing. Plus, it's been a couple days. If Arthur is successful, he'll probably make it to the Isle of the Blessed in about three days. That's all we gotta hold out for, you know. Unless you think he's gonna fail. And if you call, you can't call out aggravate in front of everybody. Say that the prince is gonna fail. You know, princes at this point in history, they basically got god blood. You yeah, know what I mean? That's so absolutely. Like you gotta, yeah, you, you got to tread lightly. <laughs> these guys, talk about these them. guys don't even worship Jesus Christ. That's all I'm saying. They just think they're Jesus Christ. Right, um, that's right. That's right. Uh, in the face of all of this, Mon Moth is convinced immediately, and so Agravain kind of has to go along with it to in order to yeah. keep up appearances. Um, Monmouth is one of the people, you know what I mean? He is. He's he's a good guy. I mean, he has literally he done down. nothing wrong in any of these episodes that he has appeared in. There is still a part of me that thinks he's Matt Smith, but that's, that's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a weird part. It's just, it's part of you part that, of co- that, that part of you that COVID can't kill. Uh, Lancelot wakes up. Not Matt Smith. Jesus, he's the one. Who's Matt? Matt Lucas? Is that what I'm thinking of? Are you talking about the dude from What We Do in the Shadows? I'm talking about I'm talking about the dude from from Bake Off, Matt Lucas. That's who I'm about. The, oh, Monmouth looks like an older okay. Matt Lucas. Sure, not yes. Matt Smith. Sorry. Yes, Matt Smith, the famous Doctor Who guy that is playing, I yeah, think Prince Doctor Charles and and whatever show that that is right now. Um, uh, Lancelot wakes up. He finds yeah. Merlin missing, but he hasn't gone far. He's just gone fishing. 
Um, he's he stabbed a couple of perch. He's ready to rock. Lancelot is like, hey, we're going back to Camelot. And I'm like, Lancelot, a fucking water... He's got a sort of tilted... Merlin's got a sort of tilted blue velvet cap on his <laughs> head. I found this um, next, to, like, next to me. I'm assuming it's what allowed you to heal me last night. Yeah. Thank you, Lancelot. He's got, he's got a roguish tilt to it. <laughs> I see you have a matching one. I assume that means that our spirits are bound for eternity. And then Lancelot's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like a Blood Brothers thing now, right, Lancelot? <laughs> Lance like sure I guess uh, Lancelot yeah. is weirdly like hey we need to go back to Camelot and I'm like you know that's not gonna work like you gotta you, no you don't like it just seems like a weird bit of dialogue to put in here for him to, to want to Lan- do this Lancelot's been very conflicted in, in a way because I think it is we I'm sure we joked about it last episode but Gwen being like hey hey uh, take care of my man and he's like ah I'm desperately in love with you and I have to take care of your man like I do think that there is something about that vow that is kind of eating away at him a little bit and he brings it up with merlin is it here where they talk about like their desire to to do good and lancelot wonders if he really has that like in him he's like would i only do it for my own pride or whatever i don't know if he says that it's 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 not quite here it's it's when they are like about to go into the island of the blessed yeah yeah but it's but it's a good point of him just like kind of astounded at merlin not being the normal package of of chivalry and Mm -hmm. courageousness like having this kind of courage right seeing this kind of courage in just just this dude this this little guy just this little this little weirdo dude i mean that's i guess that's his whole thing is lancelot i genuinely believe deep down in his core he's a good dude there's no questioning that um and he's he'll do the right thing for the right thing's sake but part of being a knight is being recognized for doing the right thing yes Um, i mean quote unquote the right thing right like that's the chivalric idea of of a knight is that even if people don't see you do the good thing they look at you they see you're a knight and they know okay that's the good guy i can trust him you know he has a knight's code and all this shit but then somebody like merlin who specifically has to hide all of his good deeds and he's doing it for no one's sake or, or he's not doing it for his own sake whatsoever he's doing it for the good of arthur or the good of the realm or whatever it is it's always for the greater good with no acknowledgement to himself and i think lancelot is kind of struck by that um because it's the antithesis, sort of, of what being a knight is, in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, it's, I mean, like, part of that whole deal of being a knight is, like, you get some sweet loot at the end of it. Like, you get, yeah. you know, a play, you get some land, you probably get and a that wife. Was, that was when Lancelot first came in. It's like, his whole character arc was he wanted to become a knight. He wanted to be mm-hmm. recognized for the things that he believed in, um, which is valid. That is a noble pursuit, but it's also a vanity, and... and Merle, I think Merlin does have a little vanity, but he's he's willing enough to put that aside to just do the right thing regardless. Yeah. Um, but he does, I mean, that that is to say, Merlin has a lot of really cool people gassing him up about his destiny and his importance. It's true. If I had a dragon telling me how important I was, I don't think I'd care about what my like classmates thought of it. You know what I mean? I would, uh, I would assume that was just part and parcel is your life as the denim dragon to have a lot of dragons telling you about how important you are. I mean, I, I, hey, I'm, I'm a dragon surrounded by snakes. <laughs> For the snakes, please continue. <laughs> this is for the snakes. Anyway, that's gonna. <laughs> yeah, it's like a huge. <laughs> oh, uh, now I just want to put that whole. Uh, what is that? That mattress song in here? <laughs> just, just slowly, just slowly build it just in behind. Build me. it in um, right as you're talking about that. Yeah. This is for the snakes. I'm a dragon surrounded by snakes. That's you can put that in quotes. Wrap me in quotes. I'm a, I'm a dragon surrounded by snakes. This is for my haters. I'm dropping bars right now. You could easily edit that uh-huh. into like a sweet song. I'll do that. I'll I'll definitely get on top of that. Uh, All right. 
Meanwhile, the knights arrive on the other side of the mountain. Uh, they wash themselves off. Leon wants to rest, and Arthur's like, nope, got to keep going. Uh, Agravain rides to Morgana. Uh, boy, whoever's in charge of Morgana's hair this year is doing a piss-poor job. This woman has beautiful she's get, hair. She's getting even more goth. Yeah, it's um, it's it's not... like Because there's goth as like an aesthetic, and then there's goth as like, it pours out from your soul. Like, she's like, her hair health is declining. She's not seeing sunlight anymore. There, there's like, also like, she's... I feel like there's people that understand goth to be sloth, and I feel like we're entering Morgana's sloth goth era. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Like, yeah, she, yeah, she doesn't yeah. look like she's washed her hair or like really done anything with it. And I'm not like, I'm just saying like you're kind of like the queen of evil like yeah. the part can put some fucking conditioner in there what are you doing like what are you doing why, why is it so flat and, 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 and stringy what are you doing dress up um aggravate tells her about camelot and about arthur's progress um he also tells her of gwen's interference which she is extremely worried about because she has envisioned she has seen the future seen glimpses of the future and she realizes that gwen could play an important role and she says that i would rather drown in my own blood than see that day which that's how you know that's straight up fucking goth with a capital goth that's what we're talking about um meanwhile gwen is taking care of uther uh who they have uh are portraying as like almost uh, a dementia patient at this point. He was yeah. just confused, doesn't know where Arthur is, doesn't know where he, where he is. Um, really trying to wring out any lingering sympathy I have for Uther, but uh, no, it's not going to happen, no. y'all. I'm sorry. It's so weird because it's like he just got like he got betrayed and that shattered his mind. Yeah. And I guess I think we could probably say Uther has done so much wrong. He's guilty of so many sins that in a very like grand um epic poem kind of way the this final like betrayal like just shattered his mind <laughs> like it was there was nothing left after this like after he'd done it all to protect these very thin secrets and hold on to this very thin power um and and then morgana betrays him and it and it, it shattered everything and now he is this crumpled mess of a man who can't even think for himself he probably poops his pants i'm gonna say it oh no i'll say what you're all thinking he well, probably poops his pants i don't think that anybody was here was thinking specifically into those details but i'm glad you said he, it on behalf of everybody poops. that was they didn't have diapers they had cotton sacks that need to be changed. He poops his pants enough. I'm getting too gross. Okay, sorry. So as she leaves Uther's uh, poopy diapers, uh, she she runs into Agravain, um, who is all sugar and, and sugar. Agravain and... comes in like, no, God damn oh, it, we're not doing sorry. this. We're not doing this for I, the rest of the episode. <laughs> he apologizes for his behavior the previous day and says, "Hey, I need your advice on something." And she's like, "Sure, what's up?" And he says, uh, "I think that you guys should change the king. I think that's a that's priority number one in this in this operation." And then number two. Uh, why don't you come to my chambers at night and discuss it? And I'm like, you fucking perv. Like, this just yeah. doesn't sound good. Dude, he, dude, he's creeping on everybody. Gwen, Morgana, fucking Gaius. He's, dude, he's giving everybody the eyes. This guy's getting, he's starting to get worm tongue vibes. Like, he's not as dirty as worm tongue. But he's close. As, gr- as Grima worm tongue. But he's not, <laughs> you know, he's something about him, you know. Uh, Lancelot and Merlin are racing through the forest to catch up. Uh, they come across a hunter's lodge in the woods. Uh, you know it's a hunter's lodge because there's just a bunch of dead animals hanging on the inside mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. one dead hunter. Uh, one dead hunter, yeah. They decide to like hang out here for the night. Uh, meanwhile, Morgana, uh, we get this like very brief shot of Camelot from like an angle we've never seen before. And I'm yeah, super here. for a new angle. I thought, oh, where are we? Yeah. And then it was Morgana and Camelot. I thought, okay. <laughs> super sure. here for this. Uh, she breaks into Camelot. 
is almost immediately stopped by Knight. Uh, she doesn't even have to look around to dispose of this dude. She just knocks him out without even turning her head. Uh, meanwhile, in Aggravain's chambers, he gives Gwen some wine and starts asking her about the people of Camelot, whether or not they feel safe, which of course they don't, um, how to make them feel safer. When she responds, you need to show courage. Specifically says that closing the city gates showed the citizens that he was just as scared as the threat as they were. So now they have no confidence in him to solve this problem, uh, which is good because he sucks and they shouldn't because he's actually causing it. So, yeah. Um, he gets a little weird here. Like it seems gets, like it's a little like green he's behind her. <laughs> he's awkwardly like reaching for her hair and it's a like kind of menacing or it's like, he's kind of like horny <laughs> and then he doesn't need any pulls back. He doesn't do anything. And he sends her on her way. And he's like, my guards will escort you home. Um, so it's hard to get a read on this guy. I think he's, he's obviously doing evil, but I don't know if like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know why I was going to bother try to give this guy any complexity. He's just a bad guy. He's just a bad um, dude. Yeah. Uh, but when he sends when he sends Gwen on her way, he sends his his guards with her, and then Morgana spots them on their way back, and she just uses like a force push and just knocks everybody the fuck out, and then flees. Which I think is a pretty like this whole little plot. I think is orchestrated pretty well, so that everybody has deniability, right? Like, yeah, he she came to see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent her home guarded. I wanted to do right by her. This these Drakakars. Must have gotten, must have attacked them in the street. Um, that evening, the knights of uh, Arthur's knights light fires. Uh, Elian asked Arthur, "You know what's out there? What what is waiting for this? Waiting for us at the end of this quest?" And Arthur's like, "That is my burden to bear alone." And Elian's like, "We're cool. So I can have the last of the deer jerky. That's totally cool. You know, <laughs> it's not a it's not a deer jerky Arthur situation. Yeah. No, of course, Elian's like, absolutely not." Like, we're your knights. Like, we're fighting for you. We're going to fight this together. Um, they're leaning on this this knight stuff pretty hard, and I'm st- it's still kind of working for me. Like, all of this is good. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, you know, they might be frat boys, but they're also brothers. But they're also you know? brothers. Um, we watched a whole show for 15 seasons about brothers. Did we? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> well, there's a couple seasons about brothers. I have, uh, I have that pocketed into my into my sixth grade hole. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, indeed. Um I kept thinking during this scene, I'm like, you guys, I maybe let's not even worry about a perimeter. Maybe let's all keep close. Let's keep near the fire with those torches. <laughs> you don't have to be 25 feet out into the woods. Um, and sure enough, we, we hear the screams from far away of the Duraka, and, and the knights all circle up. And uh, then we cut back over to... Gaius, uh, who is wandering around the streets. Or no, First he checks on Uther, realizes Uther has not been changed. We shouldn't make those jokes. It's horrible. I really got to stop. Um, yeah. Sees Uther just passed out in the bed, uh, and it's like, where's Gwen? And goes to find Gwen on his way to her house, uh, spots her and the guards in the just lay down in the muck of the streets. The guards are dead. Gwen is alive, thankfully. So, whew, good time. Um, yeah. We go back to the shed, uh, and Lancelot and Merlin, for all the world, look like they're sharing wine. I'm sure this is water, but it's just like they're That's both... That's what I thought. I thought they were just having a drink. This definitely seems like they're just having a little bit of mead, you know? Uh, Merlin says that Lancelot doesn't have to continue on this journey, and Lancelot's, of course I do, uh, and says that he made a vow to Gwyn that he would keep Arthur safe. Uh, we get the same tune that I talked about in the last episode, this nice little pretty guitar music, as they kind of talk about... Um, whether or not Lancelot still has feelings for Gwen. And you can tell, like, this is very bittersweet for Lancelot, uh, as he says, you know, Arthur is a better man than I am. Uh, you know, Arthur t- truly loves her and 
and he kind of stops and goes, and she's happy. <laughs> I can't yeah. even can't, even, <laughs> can't yeah. even bring himself to like form the words that she loves him back, like because that's how much how into her he is. And it's and it's you know I I kind of. I kind of respect this angle on the on, on the whole love triangle thing because he's being trying to be as respectful as possible. It just it just cracks me up that he's like he loves her deeply and she's got Happy. a got a Honda. Yeah, she's, um, <laughs> like, she's you know living. She's she, uh, been eating well. She's alive. Yeah, she seems to be eating a lot of fruit lately. I hope she's okay. <laughs> like, and bro, it's like I think I think I lost you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, yeah, he, um, they don't give. Lance a lot, a lot of time to deal with this. Uh, if it was a longer show, if Lance was a more major character, maybe he would have gotten more time to to unpackage this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's just a dude. You know, he's he, he, he's a little heartbroken. He has no ill feelings towards anyone involved, but he, it doesn't change the fact that he's a little heartbroken. True. Yeah. Uh, we go from here to um, the lab where Gwen um, is waking up and Gaius is tending to her. Uh, and Gaius is kind of already putting the pieces together, like, oh yeah, you're you were definitely knocked out and leaving you to the Dara car, so we 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 know what happened to you. Um, when Lancelot and Merlin go to sleep, uh, a spirit sneaks in, puts out all the fires in the in the in the shed, and is about to attack Merlin. Fortunately, Merlin is able to light the flames. Uh, he's got a lot of confidence now, so that that magic not working thing from the previous episode is not really a thing anymore. Thankfully, yeah, yeah, we don't have to worry about that. that just never <laughs> Well, I mean, he was scared, and now he's not scared, right? Like he's got a purpose. I think that's True. they don't they, they don't they don't beat you over the head with that. But I, I'm assuming that that's what they were going for. Um, yeah, it's yeah, maybe maybe it is less. Things are different. He is rattled, but it, it was less that his powers didn't work and more that he lost confidence in himself. Yeah. Uh, it was the... <laughs> you were the feather all along. Um, <laughs> they they run outside, um, and as they're running, we hear Berlin chanting in his dragon voice. Uh, and sure enough, as the spirits are about to get them, who shows up but our old friend, the dragon, shooting flames, killing spirits. It's actually kind of a metal moment, all in all. Uh, yeah. The, the dra- oh, yeah. this, the, is, this fox, dude. The dragon lands, and, and Lancelot is like, tries to bow up to it, and Merlin is like, nah, fam, come on, man. What are you doing? <laughs> you just saw that dude kill some spirits. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah. First of all, this guy rocks. Second of all, Lancelot, put your hat back on. <laughs> yeah, your hat fell off. Luckily, I've grabbed your hat on the way out. <laughs> this would have been a bad thing if we were spirit-bonded with these hats. Right, Lancelot? <laughs> the dragon is just Woo! looking back and forth. I detect no matching in those hats. Shut up, dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, dragon. Don't ruin this. Um I don't know. The they've Merlin and the dragon have had such a contentious relationship, um, and now they just fully have shifted toward like their old friends. Um, he's an old mentor to Merlin, and you know what? I fucking like that. Yeah. I think that that's neat, and I think it rocks that this dragon just showed up in this way. And I think it rocks that the dragon has a name, and I don't know it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's very funny to me that they haven't given us the dragon's name in four seasons, but. Um, yeah, the dragon is like, "Hey, uh, there's. Did you know that there's a tear in the veil?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's absolutely what we're here to to, to take care of." Um, and Merlin says, "You know, it requires a sacrifice." And he says, "The Verlin, the, the, excuse me, the veil requires nothing. It's the calyx that's going to ask for a sacrifice." Yeah. Um, and Kilgara, the dragon's name is Kilgara. Yeah. Um, the dragon says, "Hey, you know, we. I know that you're going to try to sacrifice yourself, but you really shouldn't do that." Of course, Merlin's like, "I'm absolutely going to sacrifice myself." Yeah. Um, and then this is that moment where, like you just mentioned, where 
they've had this contentious relationship. Every time the dragon has kind of showed up since escaping Camelot, he's begrudgingly helped Merlin and whatever cockamamie scheme that Merlin has come up with this week. Uh, and here we find out that he actually has kind of developed some emotional connection with Merlin when he says, you know, mm-hmm. from the moment I met you, I saw something that was invisible, but now it is there for everyone to see. And then says, oh, beautiful. and then says it will be an emptier world without you, young warlock. Um, and then Merlin says, can we get a, just just asking for a friend like a ride like 10 leagues to the to the ten aisle leagues would be great. 10 leagues would be dope and the dragon's like nah i mean it's gonna be an emptier world without you young warlock like looking around going like this dude knows that that's a line to leave right like that's the exit yeah. line <laughs> 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 lancelot's like it would be, it would be it would be a, it would be my honor to ride on your on you as a steed and the dragon's just like it as, it, as it will be an Lancelot. empty world without you, young warlock. <laughs> as Lancelot is bowing, offering his hat, he's fully looking down at the ground in that typical grand bow. We just, as he, it would be an honor to ride on your back, noble dragon. You hear the big, <laughs> as the dragon just picks up and flies away. <laughs> See you later, motherfuckers. Uh, the hair all blowing around as the wings. Um, but no, but but after the dragon leaves, Lancelot looks at Merlin like you got some. Fucking you got some fucking, to You got some weird friends, dog. You got some absolutely like, I know you weird can, friends. Like, light fires with your hands, but what? <laughs> Did not know you could You're summon dragons. You can summon dragons. dragons? <laughs> uh, they ride some horses some more to to go catch up with Arthur and the crew. Uh, and this is that scene that you were you were talking about where oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Lancelot says, you know, would you really? Are you really going to sacrifice yourself? Uh, and Merlin's like, absolutely. And he wonders, and that's like kind of question himself, would he be willing to be able to do the same thing? And Merlin's like, yeah, absolutely. If it was something that you cared about more than anything. Um, and with that, like kind of determination set Merlin, like gallops ahead as we, we see kind of Lancelot left alone for a minute, like really thinking some thoughts. Um, I think I, I'm glad that they give him this moment to think about this a little bit more that he, he is, in many ways, just a stereotype. Lancelot sort of always is. He is the like archetypical white knight. Um, but it, it is. I like that they have him just this one moment to question it. I look at you and I wonder about myself. I think that that's just a, it's just a good small moment. Absolutely. Uh, they see a castle in the distance, uh, which is going to be their next stopping point. This is not the Isle of the Blessed <laughs> just yet. We've got we got a little yeah. ways to go. We got a lot of stops to make, uh, and they can tell that somebody is there in it. We see we see a smokestack coming up. Um, we switch over to the inside where we see all of our knights hanging out. Gwen's taking off of his socks, taking off his socks, which are apparently very smelly. Everybody's like super mad about it. So mad that they catch them on fire, which seems like it would make the socks smell worse. But what do I know? I'm not a knight of the round, Chris. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know anything about like, sock smells like that. I don't, I don't know. know anything about socks at all. You don't, they don't make them in my size. So, <laughs> you just no. go, you go bare feet in the in those cowboy boots that you wear. No, no, no. I'm all, yeah, I'm always socked up. I'm socked up in my slippers right now. They're just you know size eighty four socks. <laughs> they're two socks. They're two socks put together that you're custom yeah. sewing for yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, you ever heard of ankle socks? That's what all socks are like for me. Perfect. Uh, they hear some rustling and who sh- who rolls up besides Lancelot. It's lots like I have some bad news, everybody. And they're like, fuck, what? Oh no. Uh. Yeah, Merlin's still alive. Merlin's That's still alive. Uh, great goofs, Lancelot. Like, Lancelot doesn't like break out the joke box very often. Yeah. Uh, he's much too serious of a guy. But what he does, like, it's some, some pretty good goofing. He's yeah, got he's a got pretty everybody good... in there busted up. They're like, they're like, dude, when you know when Lancelot gives you a good burn, like it's it's 
one for the books. This is a morale boosting exercise, right? Like this is he he just he just single handedly like made this mission accomplished <laughs> just by boosting the morale <laughs> that hard. Um, yeah, he just got going back there, just screaming with laughter because he's kind of losing his mind a little bit. Yeah, he's been on the road for a while. He's also uh, he doesn't know this, but he's allergic to bee stings, and so he's just been hallucinating <laughs> for a while. He's been, like he's had like a really bad infection. He's had a fever for three days. That's why he's taking off his socks in the middle of a fucking swamp. <laughs> he doesn't have any idea what he is doing. He thinks he is yeah. flying high, brother. He needs a doctor. He needs a. He doctor. needs a doctor, and I don't mean Gaius. Gaius is not going to help this situation. He needs penicillin or he's going to die. They uh they rest that night and Merlin and Arthur are up by themselves as they sometimes usually are. And Merlin says, uh, hey, everything's gonna be totally okay. Uh and I can take, you know, I can take your place. And I'm really impressed with the acting from Colin Morgan on this because it's it's one of those moments where Merlin is treating it in a lighthearted way kind of but also like you could see his face and just realize like he is absolutely devastated about this like he is this is extremely serious to him um and even when like arthur kind of scoffs he says you know what is a servant compared to a prince uh and of course arthur you know tries to joke this off and i love this line of like well it's really hard to find a good servant Merlin <laughs> says well i'm not really that good which is really yeah. <laughs> really just it's a- these moments where Merlin speaks to him on such like a man to man level. Like there is no difference. Not that there ever is anyway, but they still have their roles of like the way they play off of each other. But here they are speaking to each other as such equals that there's, there's no way, obviously Arthur wouldn't accept it anyway, but there's just no way that Arthur could be like, no, no, no. Like we are equal. It does not matter that you're a servant and I'm a prince. Like it is what it is, but he doesn't say that they just make a joke about good servants hard to come by. Um, And then he asks, Merlin to look after Gwen. She deserves to be happy. And and Merlin says, Don't worry, I'll make sure. Because you're going home, not me. The uh the next day they, they arrive at the Isle of the Blessed. Uh the boatman just carries them across, no questions asked. We, we he knows what's up. Um as they get deeper into the structure, Wyverns begin attacking them. Uh they they, they fend off the first wave because Merlin just straight up tells them to leave and nobody notices somehow. <laughs> he just uses dragon magic. Yeah. Um, and as they get deeper, they, they begin to attack again. And this is where uh, Elian, Leon, and Arms are like, y'all, st- y'all, y'all go over there and we'll, we'll take care of the Wyverns over here. And just, uh, we don't want 17 people to be on the set for this next climactic moment kind of situation. Um, and this is where we kind of, you know, we're this is where the big moment of the episode is going to happen they this is the altar that we saw at the first part of the episode um at the first part of the first episode i should say uh where morgana sacrificed Morgos to open this thing and who was there but our friend the calyx uh, and it's only been what an hour and a half since we were there a week in time if you're you know watching it week to week but it feels like we've gone on a journey to get here <laughs> it feels like there's it's been, been a, a while. lot of campfires in between <laughs> it's been days uh and a lot of people yeah. have died uh the Arthur, of course, like tries this the basic like, "Hey, can you just like close that? <laughs> that would be really dope." But she's like, "Absolutely that would be really, not." Really appreciated. Uh, I didn't create this horror. Why should I fix it? Uh, and mm. this is when Gwen says, "I know how to fix this situation. I am just going to charge the giant mama bear that is talking to me." He's still real stoned, y'all. <laughs> the, the bee stings yeah. at Camelot. The are... infection is not getting better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he is just immediately knocked out and knocked out for the rest of the episode. Uh, so. Arthur says, hey, I know exactly what you want, and I'm willing to pay whatever price is necessary to close this veil. Uh, she waves him forward, 
you see Merlin out of focus behind him, um, walking behind him, and we see Merlin's eyes flash as he uses his magic to knock Arthur out at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the camera kind of gets close to the Calix and Merlin as they have this conversation about uh, Merlin being willing to sacrifice himself and the Calix saying that it's, you know, your time among men is not yet over, even if you want it to be. And as all of this is happening, who but our boy Lancelot is, uh, has snuck behind everybody and is walking yep. into the veil. Looks he's, like he stepped up to the plate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, there's no fanfare other than every little moment for the last two episodes from Lancelot, I think, can tell you what's about to happen here. Um, I was glad that I, I had seen this once before so that I could sort of pay attention to the little things. Not like this is the biggest surprise in the whole world. This isn't that kind of show where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Um, but it is a little bit of a twist. You know, you don't quite know how this is all going to play out. And every little character moment that he's had in the last two episodes and, and the things he's been wrestling with is vow to, to protect Arthur because he loves Gwen and, and all this stuff. Uh, and you just, you're so focused on Merlin's sacrifice and we know he's probably not going to die, but then we, the camera cuts over and boom, there's Lancelot and he's, he's just, he gives them one last smile, I guess. He looks back at them and, and then he just steps right in. He, you know, lifts his arm up and he steps into the rift. Um, and the Calyx is like, "That's cool." We need <laughs> awesome. a, I said we needed a blood sacrifice. Blood like sacrifice. Altar. And that's when she looks like how, down and she realizes the red hat with the feather is on the altar. <laughs> they got it. They got the blood <laughs> sacrifice right there, Chris. They planned ahead. They knew it was coming. <laughs> And then there's just the big boom as the rift closes. Perfect. And the hat disappears. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, another thing about this this sacrifice from Lancelot that I think is interesting is his... I think this is him ultimately accepting Arthur and Gwen's relationship and him being on the outside mm-hmm. of it, too. And, like, it, and further beyond that is realizing, like, this thing that he wanted his whole life to be a knight, to, to serve with honor, realizing that now that he's got that, like, even that's kind of meaningless for him. Right, like even that yeah. didn't get him yeah. to what he wanted, which is the woman that he loved, and he's not willing to stand in the way of that or take anything away. He realizes like she was never his really to begin with, um, so this all makes like a lot of sense for him to just take all of these things in and go. This is the best way that I could serve. This is this is the most honorable thing that I could do. Um, whether or not you agree with that or not, I just think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. All all those it works on a lot of different layers with this character, which is probably the best thing you can ask for for a character who's going to die like this. I think to yeah. to make sure yeah. that it works. Um, so, I always wondered how they would deal with the Lancelot character because he is you know the most noble of knights and he was like Arthur's right hand man and all this stuff. But then there's all the stuff with Gwen from the lore, you know, <laughs> the lore, from, the lore, from Arthurian legend. Uh, so yeah, I just I was always curious how they would handle it, and then this is you know I don't know if we ever see him again. I kind of assume not, but we we didn't see him die. We saw him walk into a rift. So what would I know? Um, but yeah, it, it was a um, I well done. I think they handled it well. It's a surprise, but it's it's something that at the same time makes sense. And um, Merlin and Arthur get off scot free again. Uh, we smashed from this directly to Arthur walking into the the hall at Camelot. Uh, this very sad song, I think, on a violin begins to play. And as Arthur gives uh, what can only be 
Lancelot's eulogy about being the most noble knight I'll ever know and about the sacrifice that he made. We see images of uh, them building the pyre, the knights around the pyre, uh, Merlin handing Arthur the torch to set the pyre on fire. Uh, we see Gwen crying. Um, they they hold hands as Arthur's speech is, is over with, um, comforting one another. Um, and as we as the music kind of fades out, she she looks at Arthur and says, "She did, you know, he didn't sacrifice himself for Camelot. Like this was because I made him vow, I made him promise that to bring you home. Like this was this was on me." Mm. And and you can tell Arthur is a little discomforted by this. I think like he he can he's like, "Oh, so you guys are just you guys are like." doing vows and not telling yeah. me you guys are you, like if i found out autumn was doing a vow with somebody i'd be like yeah, mm. yeah. And, gr- okay. and granted like they're not married they're not even officially dating so arthur doesn't have a lot of room to stand on but again like if you found out your girl was doing vows with other guys like is she really your girl <laughs> you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think there is there's this this vow situation and then also realizing like like, like that should have been me. Like I, I should have still been the one to sacrifice myself. You know, he was asked yeah. to do it for me and that isn't right. You know, cause he, he, he's that, he thinks that he's the, was supposed to be that guy. Um, but what I do like here is that Arthur seems to, to understand that he needs to give her some space and he puts a hand on her shoulder and then walks away yeah. and he lets her stay there alone in the courtyard and there's this really beautiful wide shot of from from above uh, of Gwen in her blue dress just standing alone in the courtyard with the the burning pyre in front of her. It's very quick, but um, I really really liked that. Really really good. If I ever do another um, video for uh, Silas Kingdom Keeps, like another music video, like I'm gonna just pull everything from season four and five because yeah. I did yeah. not let myself do that, and that's where all of the cool shit lives for videos. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. And this is interrupted by a scream as we cut again to Morgana, who is realizing that all of her plans were undone, and she's convinced that they were undone by Emerus. Uh, so she, affin- she assigns Agravain, who was in the room with her, to find Emerus and destroy him. Uh, we cut back over to the gla- to the lab while- where more. Ugh, wow, Jesus. Cut back over to the lab where Merlin is grieving, just kind of sitting in a chair, just doing his own thing in his room, like just kind of shocked a little bit when Agravain enters the lab and begins to question Gaius about a sorcerer named Emerus offering rewards for any information that he might have, uh, not realizing that he is just totally admitted to his alignment with Morgana because Gaius yeah. and, and Merlin both, and a rare episode of Mer- of Merlin that doesn't end with like a fucking bog on the head or a goof or, yeah. or somebody getting a whole ham uh <laughs> they realize that you know the the second most powerful man of camelot is presumably working for morgana yeah that that was a huge um you know turn of his this guy's hand and uh not not good for him but great for merlin because now they know now they know although now they're gonna have to be on their guard and they they cannot allow merlin to be found out yes absolutely what what a great episode like this fantastic episode it's um it's interesting because i feel like i would have i expected this to be more bombastic than it is mm-hmm. like if you think about it the the expectation of like a part two opener uh, of the you know the final parts of a of a two-part opener are like a climatic battle uh like a big you know everybody trying to like battling through a thing and people being lost along the way and like all this stuff. And they just don't do any of that here. 
Like it's it's really they they just get to the place they need to go, and then Lancelot kind of takes it over from there. Um, and some weird shit happens on the way, but it's not like Arthur fought a, a horde of skeletons or anything. Like it's just it feels a lot less bombastic than I think you would expect, and I think it's much more effective because of that as well. Yeah, it focuses on the characters and. It gives Merlin that time to regain his confidence. It gives Arthur a chance to kind of um, focus in on, on what he knows he needs to do and to really think about his sacrifice, just in subtle ways. They don't like take a ton of time to, to, to handle that. And then it gives Lancelot the time to reflect on everything and, and find his resolve to make his, his final choice and to buy a sweet, sweet hat. Um, and then the others <laughs> are just – the others are there. Everybody gets like a moment here or there to do something. And um, – yeah, I mean, overall, I think they they handled it, they handled it well. If they went too over the top, it kind of might have felt empty. Yeah, you know, if exactly. We just watched a big battle for fifteen minutes at the end of it. It might have been cool, but you know, Helm's Deep is a huge battle in Lord of the Rings, and it works because it's so rooted in the characters that you care about. It isn't just the spectacle of the battle. Um, and and yeah, Merlin, I think I think what they did was was right. I think seeing that journey, seeing how long it took them to get there, and night after night making camp and and just huddling together and just trying to keep the darkness away and and then to finally reach that rift where we started you know an hour ago at um and and thinking we're going to lose arthur or we're going to lose merlin and then the surprise no it's lancelot it all just it comes together really effectively it's it's just surprisingly just extraordinarily well that's surprisingly it shouldn't be this is season four like we've we keep saying we were surprised by merlin even though we decided to do a podcast on it like we're being a little (laughs) ridiculous like but it is just it's just it it's a surprising show, even when you've seen it before. Yeah. That that's why it's good because it's surprising because it, it it belies its its true like quality because it's so kind of just like goofy on the on the surface, but then you just take one step further in. And I think that's why people love it so much all this time later. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, the the core of it is really like, really good and and absolutely. It made quality. sense that fans all like kids who are like fourteen now were finding supernatural recently right like it makes sense because it was on for 15 years mm-hmm. it was a ever-present thing but merlin came and went it's been gone a long time so the fact that it seems like it does still have somewhat of a fan base is is uh it just shows the quality of the show yeah it's i mean it, it's just astounding really that it, it it's just keeps being this good um because it has no right to i feel like they could have just like this could just be a, been an average like Wizards of Waverly Place or something. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't actually <laughs> yeah. know anything about Wizards of Waverly Place. Please, it's like a Disney Channel. Please show. don't come out. Please don't come at me, Wizard Twitter or anything. I, but like, <laughs> I just yeah. A friend of mine was like, my daughter's watching this, and I, we I was just seemed like garbage. But I have no idea. I've been burned on t- calling shows garbage before. So, um, but I feel like they, it could have been an extremely formulaic. Uh, you know, there's a there's a crisis. Morgan has to Morgan Merlin has to use magic in order to get out of it, but Arthur can't see. And a lot of episodes are that, but they're just all executed to agree that like it's like people genuinely cared for this. It wasn't just a cheap mm. cheap money grab. Mm. So good stuff all around. Uh, and next and next episode, a circus is in town. Woo! A circus, of course. All right. Sure. Um, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, 
and there was something else I was going to say about this episode. Oh, I said I was going to say the Green Knight thing, but I already said it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you for hanging with us um, through through sick and through health. We very much appreciate yeah. you uh, putting up with all of our various illnesses. Uh, special thanks to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash monster of the week. If you want to leave us reviews, we actually haven't got any reviews on any podcast services lately. So if you want to, if you want to be that special someone that leaves us our first review in a little while, run, don't walk to your nearest <laughs> screen. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Merlin. Whoa. I didn't mean my voice to get that deep. I'm so sorry. Whoa. It just happens. You sound like you're friends with the denim dragon. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, trying to be. You know what I'm saying? Trying to step close. <laughs> is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> we'll be in Dutch. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. all mixed up he doesn't know what to do next thing you know he'll Uh be a podcaster for you something 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 in your ass so just go go to the past you're 311 guy um uh no i know i've never listened to 311 you don't really seem like a 311 guy yeah, because I'm not. I'm not like. Like I don't have any like. I don't have any like funk in my soul. You know what I mean? You know. You know. There's a I lot have, of words. I always I, thought their 311 was like a metal band that was like kind of funky. Yeah, there's a lot of words I would use to describe Chris Mosier. I don't think I would ever describe you as funky. I don't think that's ever a th- thing that no, I've ever definitely, thought. Definitely. Like, not. man, that Chris. He sure has got some, some bop in his bip. You know what I'm saying? That he's a funky guy. No, that's no, not. There's a thing. no. There's no bop in my bip. Absolutely mm. no bop in my bip. Yeah, I think I think 311 is like a metal band, a hard rock band with like just a just a little bit of like ska, but not enough to drive mm. off everybody. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what I'm they, saying? They're playing with it. They're they're friends with ska. They're friends with ska. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think uh, um, I listen to Fugazi. Fugazi's low got like a little bit of funk style to them. That's it. That's the limit of like what. There's no, there's no pep in my step or whatever. You bip in my bop, as you said. There's no, there's no pip in your bop. Uh, I always thought Fugazi was. You can tell that about a, me. Everything, everything about me tells you that. I always thought my Fugazi was a hip hop act, um, but it was one of those bands that I'd always like heard people talking about. 
um, but never actually heard myself because it was the 90s and I couldn't just like pick up my phone and listen to literally anything I want to that has ever been created. Like I had to, I had to go out of my way to yeah. try to figure out what Fugazi was and I just never did. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Fugazi is like weirdly popular. Not weirdly popular, but like I always find out like people like Fugazi. I'm like, oh, interesting because um, I, I mostly listened to them in high school when I was into – uh hardcore like uh like minor threat and black flag and all that stuff because it's the singer of minor threat is in fugazi and that was my connection to it so i just assumed like oh it's just like people who were into that stuff listen to this band and listening back to it now i'm like oh these are like pretty different things like there really isn't a lot of crossover is he is the singer of minor threat the singer of fugazi uh yeah he's one of them he's one of the singers because that'd be pretty cold he to be like goes like this this is how he sings Oh, yeah, that guy. I feel like I've heard a zillion of those dudes. Doesn't he sing about, like, the Irish Christmas? Doesn't he sing the Ir- uh, sad Irish Christmas? No, that's that's the Pogues. The boy! <laughs> God, it's the worst uh, fucking song. Fairy Tale of New York or whatever. We were watching Ted Lasso, and it was a Christmas the episode. Song. And they, they did the, like, real cheerful part of that song without doing any of the sad stuff about with that song first. And I was like, well, they're just yeah. lying to people. Yeah. Like, you can't just... You can't just pluck the good part, yeah. Um, yeah, the Fugazi song. I think it's still popular. I think kids still like the song "Waiting Room" by them. Um, it's a jam. It is a jam. There's no escaping the fact of you know if you're if you're listening to the podcast, pause it. Go listen to "Waiting Room" by Fugazi. It's a jam. Fugazi. Waiting just that one song, though. Then come back. That's yeah, and then come back. Yeah. Then come back. We have to talk about Berlin. Or we already did. I'm gonna jam this. I'm gonna jam this. Hold on. Hit it up. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't sound like a... It sounds like you playing bass. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, okay. It's slipping in. I can hear it now. Oh, this, this is taking too long. I don't have this kind of time. That's that takes way too long to do. Yeah, but that's the, you get the idea. You get the idea. You're boogieing. Yeah, I'm boogieing. Um, this is this is see this is outside of our usual territory. <laughs> yeah, we don't normally talk about like Fugazi. I guess I don't know why I thought they were a hip hop band yeah, for a long time. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's the thing about like I feel like when you talk about music on a podcast, it just makes you want to like. All right, let me, well, let me play you like thirty seconds of it. <laughs> it's like that's what you would do if you were like hanging out with your friends. And you're like, oh, let me, all right, I'm talking about this band. Let me play a song for you. <laughs> but when you're on a podcast, it's like that's editing. That's work. I um I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about an album, and they kept talking about how great so and so's verse was on this track, and you know how cool like this was or that was, and I was just like, fuck it, I'll just have to pause this podcast and go listen to the song. And they were wrong. Like I listened yeah. to it, and I'm like, well, I, this is too much hype for this. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah. this was bad. I wish they had yeah. just edited in the song briefly, so I could have been like, oh, okay, these guys just have weird opinions about this, and they don't match up with my own. So yeah. nothing like somebody just being good old fashioned wrong. <laughs> I love, I love, I love when people are wrong on the internet, Chris. I do I do enjoy it. I had a weird experience on the internet this week. Can I can I tell you about it? What happened? I am um, so a person that I went to school with in the sixth grade uh, messaged me on Facebook, and uh, I don't remember this person very well at all. Have no real 
strong recollection of him. Uh, he says that he spent the night over at my house. I was the first person he knew that with internet at his house, which probably kind of dates exactly how old <laughs> I am. Um, had like some of these vivid memories and all this other stuff. And um, so like we, we chatted, like I don't normally, I don't like seek out a lot of like people I went to school with. I have no real need or desire to. And like, I don't know the idea that, Hey, the only thing we have in common was that our parents were in the same place at the same, in the same like school system at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it seems kind of weird. Um, but you know, he seemed like a, a, like a chill dude. He wasn't, you know, horrible or anything. So we were like chatting and catching up and just like, you know, what have you been doing and this and that, and this and that. And, um, uh, I should have known from the, be- <clears throat> from the beginning because I don't think that, and I could be wrong. I don't want to paint like everybody with the too wide of a brush here, but I don't think that people who were looking up their old friends from sixth grade on Facebook that they haven't talked to since sixth grade are probably like having a great time in their lives. Right. Like they're probably, uh-huh. they're probably uh-huh. going through some shit related to the sixth grade. If I had to guess, right. Like I, I just don't, yeah. and, and yeah. maybe I'm wrong about that. Like maybe there's a lot of people out there going like, man, I wonder what, you know, Sarah Milligan is doing and, and like going to going on Facebook or whatever. Um, but then this person got just a, a little intense they started telling me like uh-huh. about about okay. some about some things that happened to them during this time period, uh, and I was just like, "Man, that that really sucks. I'm so sorry. Like, I'd, you know, that I, I hate that for you. Like, I don't <laughs> don't know what to do about it nowadays. But like, yeah. my, like you know, hey, like I ain't reading all that, but I'm happy for you. Or a little bit, yeah. Uh, but and, and you know, just and, and, and genuinely like felt like you know this dude seems like he got dealt a, a pretty rough card life. But hey, you're you know. You, you're you're you seem to be good now like everything that you've told me about your personal life mm-hmm. uh seems okay uh and then um and so once they told me about the the horrible stuff i was like yeah um just for real man like just fuck that town like what a what a garbage place to live like because it was the place that we were we shared this one year yeah. of school together is a garbage place to live like unquestionably like the butthole of louisiana <laughs> right like just like if every, mm-hmm. every state is a body part this is the butthole um and then (laughs) they didn't respond for a while and then i woke up this morning to a series of like drunken messages um or look oh no just a bunch of weird like typos and like weirdly like intense thoughts all at once um talking about uh please don't tell me that you still live in louisiana i will come rescue you from that garbage state and things like that and i'm like like I told you, I was still living in Louisiana at the very beginning, Chill, of, the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> and uh, also, this is weird. <laughs> We're both 40. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm, know who you mm-hmm. think you're going to rescue. Like, I don't... I don't I, yeah, I don't need to be rescued, brother. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I kind of treated it... I didn't call it out or anything. I just kind of treated it as like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. Like, you know, this is a weird state to live in, especially nowadays, but like... If if twenty if the if the twenty twenties have taught me anything, it's that like it's a weird place to live in America nowadays. Like you just never know what like you can't. You used to, people used to say like oh the South is full of racists, but nowadays you can look at like any any state and be like oh yeah they're full of racists. <laughs> like if everybody has revealed themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. he the person has not responded since. <laughs> <laughs> like interesting maybe, maybe maybe he sobered up and was like fuck uh, yeah i just i just and maybe maybe that dude is on his podcast talking about like how he fucked up the night before uh but i don't know man like have yeah. you have you ever been in a situation like that that's very rarely happened to me where people have 
reached out to me because um, I feel like I was basically unknown d- d- during most of my school years. But obviously, yeah. like this dude proves the opposite. But has somebody reached out and been? I know you've had like some weird experiences with some people stalking you and I've, things like that. But I've definitely had. <laughs> I did have a guy find my house. Um, <laughs> well, so when I went to my high school reunion, my five year reunion. That was it was only five years, so it's like whatever. That was weird for me because we didn't like buy tickets to go to it. It was just like held at a venue, which was also a bar. So we just showed up like after ten thirty and like the event was technically over, but everyone was still there and we didn't like have to pay to get in. We just showed up and ordered drinks, whatever, right? Um but everybody there was a little little drunk and coming up to me and, and, and speaking to me with like a lot of fond memories. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. They'd be like, oh, remember that time in class where you did this? I'm like, no, I don't. No. Absolutely don't at all. I don't know 100% what you're not. About. Yeah. And that wasn't like weird. I was just like, I mean, I guess in a way it was flattering because people had like a, a more positive image of me than I assumed that they all would because I, I felt like I was a pretty negative person in high school. Um, the weirdest thing about really relating to anything like this is there was this kid that I was really good friends with in um, elementary school and middle school. And uh, I would hang out with him all the time, but then he went to a different school for high school and we just kind of drifted apart and never really saw him again. Um, I have a dream that I'm chilling at this dude's house at least like once a month. Like I have constant (laughs) dreams about this guy and it's just like, it's nothing weird. It's just like we're hanging out, watching a movie or like something just totally normal like that. Um, And then I wake up and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why does this keep happening? Again, nothing ever weird. But I think it's just like this one tiny chapter of my uh, of my childhood that like I have never revisited in any way because I'm still friends with most of my other good friends from those days, or at least I'll talk to them or like interact with them on the internet every once in a while. Um, but this is one kid. I just haven't talked to him in like eight years for no reason other than just we live different lives. But it's really really bizarre to me that that I have this recurring dream where I'm just chilling so with strange. this kid like eating french fries or something like just something stupid like that i'm like am i in love with this guy what's going on what is happening what kind of a weird effect did he have on me to to make me just think (laughs) about him constantly because it's funny because back then he was the type of kid who always wanted to hang out and i was the type of kid who always wanted to go home i was like nah dude i'm good (laughs) like we'd ride around bikes all day and and then he'd be like oh come like come by my house come hang out i'm like nah i'm just gonna go home like i always just did not chill so it's funny to have dreams where i'm hanging out with him now um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a ghost reaching out to me. I should see if he's alive, but that would require me to go back on Facebook, and I don't, I don't you know. Who needs that? The uh, This dude said that him and I were in a car together, and uh, we played a license plate game um, where we saw license plates, and we would challenge each other to recite the license plates for the rest of the day. He said that we were like very competitive with each other. And I don't remember being competitive with like anybody. <laughs> like this is it was such Do you a remember weird this kid at all. First of all, like I, you know, it's so weird because, um, like, I have this vague memory of like a dude that I was friends with that ended up like leaving, um, and then I never really saw him again. Um, but like, this was a weird time period because I only went to this school for two years, and uh, we were apparently friends with another guy. And me and that guy went on to a different school together. And, like, so I, I knew that dude for, like, two or three more years. Um, and I, I must have just kind of forgotten that this first dude existed totally, which seems really weird. And, like, I don't, mm. I, like, I don't, I have weird, I don't know if it's a problem or not, but I have, like, complicated feelings about how little I, of my childhood that I remember. Like, because there's 
a large swaths of it that I do not like. I couldn't tell you anything. Like this dude, like sent me a picture of the yearbook and was like, "Do you remember which one of these was our teacher?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> absolutely not." Like I don't even recognize a single name or face on this paper. Damn. And I, you know, I don't know if that's a common thing or if that's me or if like I did wrong drugs once and now it wiped right. I wiped out sixth grades yeah. for somehow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. But what I have one of my friends is is like that does not really remember much of anything. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck? You were there. We were both there together. I remember it. Why don't you remember it? You make me feel crazy. It's weird, um, man. Like it's. I mean, who knows what was going on in his life behind closed doors? You know. It uh, it reminds me a little bit of um, something like. It 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 shows me how little that you know somebody because uh, I'm pretty adept at just like playing along with people who remember stuff about me like that, and just going with it, <laughs> and um, just like yeah, 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 and like just really makes me think of like. There's no everybody out here is pretending to be people that they aren't at all, and you just never know who anybody is because yeah. I, I don't do yeah. that for any other reason besides I don't want to go through the very awkward. No, I don't remember that and shut down a conversation. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah sure, and then just try to like breeze past it. Uh, oh yeah, vaguely, okay, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think was it with the with, yeah. with, with the red head or something? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like I, I just completely try to just move past it so I don't have to to I guess face my terrifying emptiness is what I'm trying to tell you on this yeah. microphone. I'm trying to like dig dig around in my noggin and see if there's anything that I forget. You know, there's I was friends with a kid in kindergarten and everybody used to make fun of me in fifth grade because they like in fifth grade when we did our like fifth grade yearbooks, I guess. That's the thing that we did in elementary school. They like they also included these things that we wrote in first grade or kindergarten or something like all as like a thing like, oh, we remember you turn these in and we the school saved them for some reason. It was a small school. Um and my whole thing was about some kid that like nobody really remembered who had moved away to Hawaii or something. Um, so everybody was like, "Oh, it was Chris's imaginary friend." But my everybody else was like, "I loved first grade. We learned about chickens and animals and like or whatever." And mine was like, "My friend Bruce moved away, and I am very lonely, and I have never seen him since. And I thought that we would be friends forever, but he stopped responding to my." I'm like, "Dude, what? Why am I some scorned lover? <laughs> like, what is happening?" Here? Everybody else is like, fine. "Who the fuck is Bruce? Where did you get?" Bruce yeah. from no, he was I, real I swear he was real <laughs> I think I have a couple of like yearbooks from this time period and I'm tempted to like break them out uh, uh, the last time the last few times I've broken out yearbooks though like I got kind of depressed because I would look at the like all the people who would sign the back of it or the front of it or whatever and just mm -hmm. not have any memories of who they are whatsoever um, that, oh, the, like and it bummer. just just looking at it and going you know I this person seemed to think that I was good at math class <laughs> so good for me yeah. <laughs> No idea, and I, I mean, I, you just let go of stuff that you don't need. I guess. And, and I remember like vividly, vividly being really self conscious about the whole yearbook thing, like of making sure to try to find people that I liked or that I thought would say nice things about me. To get. Like it was a, it was a weird like it was like Jabo jeans, like it was a weird status symbol yeah. to get a bunch of signatures yeah, in your like yearbook. Yeah, it was <laughs> just like having Jabos, which I also did Dude. not have. <laughs> Yeah, I had Jaborts. I had a, yeah. I had a pair of Jaborts. Jaborts, Jaborts um, short. Is that Jabot shorts? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jabot shorts. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's right in the name, Jaborts. Um, I just had to confirm. I'd be rocking Jaborts with like a big ass dragon on them, uh -huh. like, like stitched in, embroidered in, dude. Um, I feel like that took things, a different creative direction after, but in the ten years that which we be wearing Jabots and you wear Jabots. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. These were like, I guess they probably were really Jabots, but. Um, 
it was these those were like my favorite shorts i thought i was fucking sick wearing those things um dude a denim dragon that's what they should have called me back then denim, the that denim was dragon if i met you and my screen name wasn't local bones it was the denim, denim dragon, dragon? oh yes shit, absolutely my whole, dude. whole different vibe whole different life who course. is this guy i want to meet him immediately Especially, dude like I've uh, like I shaved my head, so now I'm I'm like a, just a different guy altogether. I have, and I have a bone to pick with name... you about that, by the way. I mean, you need to yeah, talk yeah, about hit that. Me up, hit me up, hit me up. No, finish your finish your thought, and I'll come, we'll come back. Well, if I looked like the way that I look now, like a gym like a gym teacher, and my name was Denim Dragon, I think I just would have gotten a lot more respect. You know, I think so too. I think if you were, were you if you were, had if you had the shaved head and you were called Denim Dragon, you would be much more feared you wouldn't be as respected you would be much more feared if that makes yeah. sense yeah 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 um you say that you shaved your head um and okay I, yeah i didn't shave it and but i think I, see, and I, I i'm not the being clippers pe- that i would use to shave it yeah yeah but, but you didn't you're not going down so, to the skin is what i'm saying no no, yeah. no no the verb i performed you could call it shaving mm. um but no it doesn't i still have i still have hair up, up on top um because I was too cowardly to get rid of it, but now it sticks up in this little like duck bill thing. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I like haven't done this since I was fucking ten. Because <laughs> I sucks. look like a little idiot. <laughs> like now I don't know what to do. I'm like, I either I just have to stick it out until it's long enough that I can just like kind of comb it over like I always would, or I gotta shave it again so it's actually shaved and then then let it grow back from there. I've I've got myself in this predicament because I took a half step and now I don't know what to do. Yep, one half measure. And now you're now you're uh, now to. To wrap us back around, you're all mixed up. You don't know what to do. You gotta Dude, look around my life. And, and find that person is you. I don't know the rest of the that's lyrics that of the song. Me, dude. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you want to not focus on Chris Mosier for a while and focus on Merlin? I guess it is tough to to, to think about anything else. But let's talk about Merlin. I remember most of the details of this episode, but I also watched it 20 minutes ago, so I think that helps. Oh, sweet, sweet. Merlin, 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 Sorry about that. Hello. Hello. 
All right. Hello, Robert's here. <laughs> Go away, Robert. <laughs> You're not allowed on this podcast anymore. <laughs> we got negative reviews. <clears throat> Did we get a negative review for Robert Smith? Not at all. No. <laughs> I would, just, would just not tell have Robert been surprised, that. to be honest with you. <clears throat> if anything, we got um, way less of a positive reaction than I expected. <laughs> I expected somebody to be like, <laughs> oh, that Robert Smith goof really had me going, and I just didn't hear it. But like, because that Robert Booth was fuck Robert Smith goof was slaying me. Every time you did it, I was laughing, dude. It was awesome. <laughs> Maybe just the, the Venn diagram of Merlot fans and, and the Cure fans doesn't really overlap a lot. Or maybe just like... Or just I, people are like, that's not what he sounds like. He doesn't sound like that at all. <laughs> he just sounds like the worst pedant you've ever met. Uh, he sounds like me correcting you that you didn't shave your head. That's what he sounds like. Uh, Chris, it's yeah. not technically it's shaving actually not a head. shaved head. If you... Uh, I mean, you're just clipping it. That's why they call them clippers. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that's that's true. 